You're listening to The Fix with Ryan Rothstein, live from the PropSwap studios of AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Prop swap that ticket and cash in while the odds have improved. Once again, here's Ryan. All right, so we have to try and make sense of all this, and will we ever make sense of it? Probably not. Probably not. And uh, John McMullen, he's the guy with the answers, and if he doesn't have answers, he's the closest one to the answer. So follow John on Twitter, at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, Sports Illustrated at si.com, and he extends the play. Extending the play every Saturday right here on AM 1490 from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. John, I led off the show tonight, and I may have, I don't know if I touched on this last night with you, but I said the most frustrating part of this is last night was typical Eagles, and typical in the sense of no consistency. 23-17, late garbage touchdown, looks much closer on paper than it really was, but you just... No progress. Carson did just enough to not bench him. And here we are once again. We've learned nothing. We have no better feel for the team as we head into week 13. No, I I think that's very fair to say. And you could argue he did plenty uh, to bench him. I, I mean, the start of that game was just terrible. They didn't have a first down. Uh, until a little under five minutes left uh, in the first half. They were 0 for 5 on their first five third downs. Uh, If you go back to Jalen Hurts' first play in the game, which I I think was the first play in the second quarter, it was a six-yard pass to Alshon Jeffrey. Okay, you yawn. That was the biggest play in the game up until that point. And offensively, uh, for the Eagles, and uh, obviously they go right back to Wentz on the next play who takes a sack, drive over. Um, so you could have argued uh, that if the lease was truly as short as some had reported and some had speculated, and Jeffrey Lurie had said, you got to sit this guy if he continues to play poorly. Well, he continued to play poorly. So either Doug said, screw you uh, to the to the owner, I'm going to do what I want, or, or that was uh, a little bit overblown. But either way, I mean, look, this Carson Wentz story is amazing. It really is. I, I, I can't I, – I've looked and I've, I've poured through the record books. I can't come up with another quarterback who was as successful as Carson Wentz just dropping off the cliff like this in his fifth season with no uh, new injury concerns. You know, you talk about the injuries before, and everybody says, well, maybe he's not the same. And he isn't the same athletically. But he returned from those injuries to play at a pretty high level. Does everyone forget that? I mean, look at his numbers in 2018 and 2019. They're good. Um, this is unbelievable. And I, 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 there's so many moving parts to it, the offensive line, the receivers, the running backs, um, which Doug constantly points out. And, and it's true. I mean, there's a lot of people playing poorly on that offensive side of the football. 
um, past Carson Wentz. But, again, when you talk about good quarterbacks, they mask the deficiencies of, of, of other players. And Carson Wentz is doing the opposite of that right now. Uh, I mean, he's just, bad, he's just a bad football player right now. And I never thought I'd be saying that. I never thought you would be saying that either. John McMullen, uh, extra, extra, read all about it, said Carson Wentz is not, he's not, he's a bad football player right now. And you're, you're right. I, I mean, I'm joking, but you're, you're 100% right. And it's been, you know, some fans have felt this for a year or two, and, and there's been inconsistencies and flashes of greatness, flashes of, ugh, that was really ugly. Uh, so let me ask you a couple questions that are going to be really difficult to answer. Number one, how did we get here? And I know how we got here, but how did the team and organization fail him? And how do they fix this? How did they fail him? I, I, I don't think they failed Carson Wentz in any shape or form other than you know personnel deficiencies, which happen to every team. It's a it's a it's a cyclical industry, um, and I mean we all know that you 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 have your up years, you have your down years, um, and and even if you put together two decades of success like the Patriots did, for instance, uh, eventually. Father Time's coming for your key players and whatever, and and the cycle starts over. Um, the Eagles went too long with with their Super Bowl core and thought the championship window remained open when it didn't. So they made a lot of mistakes. They had an aging, expensive roster, and the chickens have come home to roost, so to speak, from that standpoint. But I don't think that's failing the quarterback. Um, you know, the same I, – I, you know, I wrote about this on Philly Boys a couple of weeks ago. Everybody seems to have one theory, you know, the coaching. It was, it was Frank Reich and John Filippo. And I said the bottom line is he has succeeded without those two coaches. His best statistical year was 2018. He had another good year in 2019, and they were both long gone. Um, the skill position talent. You go back to December of last season when he was excelling with Greg Warden, Boston Scott, and Josh Perkins, Deontay Burnett. Uh, he's done it in the past. Uh, and I said the one thing he hasn't had to deal with, and this is the first year he's had to deal with, is a bad offensive line. Um, and that's fair to point out. However, I, again, you've uh, Russell Wilson – uh, is a true star quarterback, and early in his career, I mean, he won a Super Bowl with a bad offensive line, and he went to another one with a bad offensive line. Um, and that's what I, I, I mean. Aaron Rodgers, for years, has had bad receivers outside Devontae Adams now. Um, he manages. I, I mean, again, he's not in, in that category. Nor, nor was he ever in that category. I think, you know, people that tried to uh, put him with the elite quarterbacks uh, were fooling themselves, kidding themselves. But, again, I, I think most people said, okay, this guy's 
right there. He's probably a top 10 quarterback. And I've said it before, on on a good season, he might get up to 7 or 8. On a bad season, he might fall to 12 or 13. Take out the backup quarterbacks. You can argue that have been forced to play. You can argue this has been the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, Carson Wentz. I, I never thought I would say that. No, I, I don't think any of us would ever think that it would get this bad. Uh, we're talking with John McMullen, NFL Eagles insider. Follow him on Twitter at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, Sports Illustrated at si.com, and host of Extending the Play every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And when I asked you, John, how did the organization fail him, I don't think the organization failed him, but I'm just trying to figure this out. Like, okay, I'm sure it was tough, but too bad. It's the pros. Tough being you watch someone else lead your team that you led all year and put them in that position to the Super Bowl and win it. Now you fast forward, they drafted a quarterback this year. A lot of injuries, both sustained by himself and important players around him. So he's been through a lot, and he hears the noise, whether they want to admit it or not. So I'm just trying to think, like, okay, how has this been a tough road for him in recent years, and what could they have done differently? I I don't think they needed to do anything differently, though. He's a big boy. No, uh, and Doug kind of said that. Uh, today when I asked him uh, about, you know, exchanging and changing quarterbacks in-game and how that affects the flow and, and, you know, because Doug played that position a long time, and I know what Doug believes behind the scenes. Um, He doesn't want to play two quarterbacks. Nobody wants to play two quarterbacks. That's laboratory stuff. That's that's off-season stuff. To be honest, that's idiot stuff. That's stuff that Jeffrey Lurie comes up with two-quarterback offense. That's stuff Howie Roseman comes up with because he's not a football guy. Nobody wants two quarterbacks. The old cliche, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks. And that's true, and you're seeing it again. Um, And I wrote about that on Sports Illustrated today. You can bench Carson Wentz. Nobody can argue at this point that that guy doesn't deserve to be benched. Um, You can also say Jalen Hurts is not ready and say, you know, Carson's going to be here next year anyway, so we're going to stick with him and fight through this. Either or is fine. I I think you can make an argument for either. The only thing you can't make an argument for is both. That's stupid. And that's what, you know, that was the brilliant plan that was come up by the non-football people in this organization. And they're not smart enough. To, to know what they don't know, to be honest, in my opinion. How far off is Jalen Hurts, though? Like, fine, I'm, I'm sure he's not where he would want to be ideally, but is any rookie ever, uh, and with how bad Carson Wentz is actually playing right now, <laughs> I mean, what the heck are they waiting for? I, I'm almost, it's getting to the point, John, Like, what the hell are you doing if you're Howie, if you're Doug? Because you selected this kid, and we've talked about this before, with the 53rd overall pick, if not now, then when? It's like they only did this as an insurance policy for injury. But what about poor play? This is almost worse 
than an injury. So what are they doing? They, they just look like idiots in, in my mind at this point, John. Well, I think one half of the equation does. I don't necessarily think the other half does. Again, you because of the contract, it, it, it's not as simple as, okay, he's playing terribly. Um, let's play the other guy. Because, again, you don't want to be the team with the – $35 million backup quarterback. Um, and if you bench him, remember, uh, in theory, your ultimate goal would be to trade him. And this is a enough of a quarterback-efficient league to understand that somebody's going to be desperate enough to take a chance and say, okay, we can fix that guy. We've seen him play at a high level. Uh, we can get him out of uh, a toxic environment and turn him into a player again. Somebody's going to say that. Um, so your goal would be to get, obviously, as much back as possible. If you bench a guy, you're hurting his value on the open market. That's number one. Um, so, and the second part is, yeah, I mean, you had the no off season, the virtual off season. It was difficult for all rookie quarter, but quarterbacks but you see you know Joe Burrow who's obviously the first overall pick before he got hurt playing well Justin Herbert playing well now those are a different level but the point is they weren't ready to play either and sometimes you just got to throw a guy in the pool and yeah the offense is going to be scaled back he's not going to be able to do uh, as many things but so what he can't accomplish anything with with doing those things right now so again i i would have no problem if they said this this guy carson wentz is playing so poorly we got to sit him down and play jalen hurts or i would have no problem if they say you know what the reality because of the contract contract situation we can't trade him so he's going to be our quarterback in 2021 so we want to stick by him i can agree i could understand that part of it as well the only part I can't agree with is this stupid get back and forth. And even if it's just two plays like it was last night, that's got to stop. That's just got to stop. Pick one. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous that that's how they're getting him involved. Oh, go ahead. Here's a one play that you can run for six yards or a quick out. Yeah, It's just it's silly how they're using Jalen Hurts. It's like, well, see? You know, we, we drafted him, and he's playing every week. It's it's a joke. Um, all right, outside of the quarterback. Well, for, and, and real quick, Ryan, you hit yeah. the nail on the head. Because they drafted him at 53, because it was reported uh, by me and others that the other two players being considered were J.K. Dobbins and Jeremy Chin. And you see what Chin did this week, or, or yeah, it was this week, two consecutive defensive touchdowns. I've never seen that before in my entire life. Uh, he could be the defensive rookie of the year. Um, and, and Dobbins uh, obviously would be an impactful part of this rotation that no longer exists in the backfield uh, behind Miles Sanders. Uh, they would both be key contributors on this team, and those were the two players the Eagles were considering along with Jalen Hurts. And they picked uh, a kid who was not only affected uh, probably the starting quarterback from a mental standpoint. He doesn't play. It was a dumb pick. I said it that night, 
I said it the day after. I wrote about it. It remains true to this day. It was a dumb, dumb pick. And that's not an insult on player. That's an insult on the general manager. Yeah, sure. That's not – yeah, you're, you're not insulting Jalen Hurts. That's just the reality of the stupidity of, of that decision to go in that direction given the, the landscape of the roster. At, at that time and especially now, you say, man, what if they went a different direction? How much would that help this team at this point in time? Uh, John, switching gears now away from Carson, and you can probably guess who I'm going to. Head coach Doug Peterson, because there's a lot of talk today now, and this isn't the first time. Didn't only start today, but for anyone that wants to take some pressure off of Carson's shoulders in the media industry, we're talking about Doug. And it's Doug that has failed to incorporate Jalen Rager. And it's Doug that has failed to make Carson Wentz's life easier. And it's Doug who doesn't know how to use Travis Fulgham now and Miles Sanders now. And you get my point. So... Is that just ludicrous to me? Because I'm not afraid to criticize Doug, but I think right now it's clear as day. Like, okay, they fired Doug. What does that change things? Like, are you seeing any legitimate concerns from the coaching standpoint? Um, yes. I mean, they're not performing well. I, I think the bigger concerns, and I, I think there were two examples of this, uh, two key examples, the fourth and four play, you know, you know me, Ryan, I always talk about play calling and, and people aren't uh, deciphering play calling when they're criticism. They think they are, but they aren't. Um, the fourth and four play, everyone says it's a bad call. Well, it, it was there, uh, but Carson Wentz and Dallas Goddard weren't on the same page. Uh, Goddard sat down, went inside. He was, uh, Wentz expected him to go outside. They're not on the same page. Now, you can say Dallas was hurt for a long time. He wasn't around. These guys are veteran players. They should be on the same page. So that is the stuff you should be criticizing. Uh, then you go back to the, the red zone play when the Eagles were driving. Uh, Jamal Adams blitz, uh, sack of Carson Wentz, one of six. Everybody says, oh, what a disaster. Eagles had the perfect play call dialed up for that. They were running a wide receiver screen on the side Adams was coming to, which would have left Rager wide open for a potential touchdown. He doesn't know the play. He runs a route down the field. Now, He's a rookie player, and he's been out at times for significant periods as well. But we're in week 12. Why is this guy not prepared? Those are coaching deficiencies, and those are legitimate criticisms. And that's where people should be focused on um, and, and, and stop worrying about the inane play calling. That's personnel issues. That's execution issues. Uh, the guy didn't win a Super Bowl less than three years ago and turn into an idiot from a play-calling standpoint in less than three calendar years. It doesn't make sense on the surface. Um, so from that standpoint, there, there are valid criticisms. There are not valid criticisms. 
But I think Doug as a whole is getting tired of this situation. And I think he's looking I, – honestly, I think both sides are looking at the other side of the fence, so to speak, and both are seeing green grass. I think in Doug's uh, case, uh, and I've said this before, if he gets fired, he's going to be unemployed for 30 minutes. If Howie Roseman gets fired, which he's not, by the way, uh, he's not getting a job that quickly. might get another job because he's got the Super Bowl on the resume, but it's going to take a, a little bit of convincing. Um, but, you know, from Jeffrey Lurie's standpoint, it, it, it seems pretty clear that he didn't learn a damn thing from Chip Kelly. He did not learn a thing. Um, and I, I think he's going down a, a dark road again where he wants this nonsense, this innovation. I talked about the two quarterbacks. Um, he's always trying to be ahead of the curve when it comes to offensive football. Look, that's what the modern NFL is about. He's right about that He's absolutely right about that point. But he's so concerned on getting the flavor of the month, the guy that's popular, and he didn't learn a damn that everybody wanted Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was this. Chip Kelly was a, a, a con man, a cult leader. I don't know what you want to call him. He was great, <laughs> but that was the emperor had no clothes, and Jeffrey Lurie didn't learn a damn thing from it. I mentioned that John writes for phillyvoice.com in a great article posted today talking about defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz and how it relates to what they decided to do game plan-wise going up against D.K. Metcalf. And, and John, we talked a little bit about this live during the game last night. I, I thought the Eagles' defense overall was solid now dk metcalf went off and darius slay was left on an island at times so that's the area that you can criticize how are you uh recapping this and if you want to just touch on some points you made in the article well i i I don't i i think the defense played well enough to win uh that that football game and if you're going down a checklist of things why the Eagles lost you're you're checking off a lot of boxes before you get to the defense uh and and DJ was uh, DK was pretty much the only um player that that hurt the Eagles consistently um and, and you know it was interesting because look he's got a chip on his shoulder um about the Eagles to begin with uh, because they passed him over in the draft he's sort of like the fan base here um, so he has that chip to begin with. And then Jim has a ton of respect for him, and he went up to him in pregame, and he, and he was saying he complimented him. He, he said, uh, basically, you're the, you're the closest thing to Calvin Johnson since Calvin Johnson, which is pretty good, uh, by the way. Uh, but obviously Jim had Calvin in Detroit. And, you know, I, I don't know DK that well, but there are a lot of young players who don't, you know, they don't care about the history of the game. They don't understand the history of the game. And, and maybe he didn't understand what a, what kind of compliment that was. 
because he took that as a slight. Um, and anybody who's in the conversation with an all-time great should be thrilled. Uh, so it, he, he used that as motivation. And I thought it was interesting because, you know, Jim Schwartz has been around for a long time, and, and he often uses, uh, uh, you know, a lot of lessons he's learned over the years. And I think he always says you're, you continue to learn. I think he learned a new one. And, you know, you say something to a player on the other side, and you think uh, it's a compliment, and they take it a different way, and they use it as motivation. So even miscommunication can be motivation. And I think Jim Schwartz learned that. Uh, with DK Metcalf. Yeah, I think DK Metcalf can just pick an item out of a hat as to use for motivation, and and it will work. I mean, the, the dude is is a freak of nature. Anyone who's but he's not Calvin Johnson, and he doesn't no. understand that, or maybe he doesn't understand that. But yeah, that's not you know. And, and by the way, Barry Slay, uh, it's hard to say he he played well. Um, he was around the football for the most part. He was around D.K. Metcalf. I compared it to like a lockdown defender in the NBA guarding Michael Jordan and just making him work and work and work. And after 48 minutes, you look up and you look at the box score and he's got 40. Um, and that's the kind of game it was. But, you know, D.K. brought his A game and, and if he brought his you know, B or C game, it probably would have worked out great. But when great players are having great nights, you can work hard. You can make it more difficult for them. But they just light it up, and he lit it up. He lit it up, and the Eagles got lit up once again. And, and here we are, John, uh, 23-17. The score doesn't really describe the style of that fight so to speak uh follow john on twitter at jf mcmullen phillyvoice.com go check out john's work there as well as si.com and extending the play every saturday morning 10 a.m to 11 right here on am 1490 sports betting radio uh before i let you go john any other housekeeping items surrounding the team that we haven't touched on well, it was a bad day for Philadelphia natives. Will Parks uh, got uh, released, uh, and Sharif Miller got released off the practice squad. Uh, so he's gone again. Um, but, uh, you know, Will Parks was a guy I think a lot of people thought had an opportunity to earn uh, a spot on the defense, but he had a hamstring injury. He was out for the first five games. Um, and, and I think the Eagles kind of are at that point where they're saying, well, he signed a one-year deal. He's, he's not going to be back next year anyway. So we got Kayvon Wallace. We got Marcus Epps. We got Graylin Arnold. We got Elijah Riley. Let's take a look at these young guys. And that's, that's the point we're getting to with the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, John. Well, plenty to get to throughout the week and we're just scratching the surface so we'll do it again tomorrow night right here on the fix for your football fix every night monday to friday ten thirty. all right john i appreciate it my friend and we will talk again tomorrow all right thanks ron appreciate it yep absolutely there he is johnny mack follow him on twitter at jf mcmullen 
our Eagles insider, does a great job for Sports Illustrated, for phillyvoice.com, and hosting, extending the play right here every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. How are we feeling out there? Listeners, fans, 